Blog Talk Radio. Radio, 
you will be able to click on that particular show and click on the links that tell you a little bit more about him. He's a professor, and so, um, you know, take a look. I I, uh, posted some of his work a while ago. So I just want to let you guys know about that. Um, June, in June, we'll have Anti-Intellect and Xavier on the show, and we'll be talking about black male feminism. Again, all of that is posted and listed the end of June, we will be starting our book club. Um, Raina and I will be talking about different books. The first book that we're going to read and that we're asking everyone to read with us is The Bluest Eye. Excellent, excellent book. So, guys, go out and read it. It won't be until the end of June. We'll post the link up soon. And more than likely, it'll be a weekday. So, you know, it it should be interesting, you know, and we're looking forward to all of that because, you know, we're trying to encourage people to read and we want, you know, to discuss what's happening and, you know, uh, just to kind of stimulate some intellectual conversation there. And, you know, um, guys, you know, it's been wonderful. You know, it's been a great couple of years. Our Telephone number is 310-982-4273. Again, 310-982-4273. And, you know, we have a lot of new and upcoming things this year with the show. Actually, some shows are going to be moved around, and a couple of new shows are going to be coming on board, and, you know, some people will be moving on. And so, you know, We'll see how all this works out. So just stay with us, and we will keep you guys updated. And I wanted to bring your attention to an article that I read earlier this week, and I posted it on my wall. And no, I think Raina posted it on my wall. It was her or I, one of us. And it was from Greta Christina. And it was actually a very, very good article, and it was called Policing Their Own. And basically, you know, what she was writing about was something that I've spoken about on the show before and how we expect certain behaviors from believers, but we do not extend those same liberties to non-believers. So, you know, we want believers to police their own folks and police the behavior, police the atrocities and police, you know, um, the malcontent or what have you, but we don't do the same thing on our side. And so she wrote this article about it, and it was absolutely fantastic. And and she's right. When they don't police their own, we call them hypocrites. But on our side, you know, on this side of the equation, it's, you know, a different story. You know, I'm not quite sure why that is, but she called it out for what it is. And, you know, she's one of these people I've seen, a lot of, um, you know, vitriol being thrown her way. And, you know, she wrote about it in an article. You know, she had some atheists who have been telling her to go screw herself, you know, with a knife. And, you know, just some of the things that are happening in the background is, is just horrible. It's horrible, but not only with her, but with, you know, several other people. And we've been seeing this long you know, for a while. It's been happening for a long time. And now you have certain sectors of the community that's singing this kumbaya and claiming that we should all stick together 
and how we should, um, you know, get along and show this face of unity. But, again, as I've stated in the past, and she also states it in this article, is so that they can maintain the status quo. There are a lot of issues that are not being addressed by, you know, the free thought atheist community. You know, whenever you're trying to talk about sexism or racism or homophobia, transphobia, you know, the isms and the obias there, you know, it's met with quite a bit of resistance, you know, um, you know, you talk about feminism, and you're branded and called a feminazi, and it's just it's unreal some of the things that, you know, some people have to deal with on the back end. And I'm glad that, you know, it's being called out, you know, several different arenas. You know, I'll read part of what she says in this article. She said that there is literally no way that the atheist movement can be inclusive of everybody. We can't be inclusive of atheist women and also be inclusive of atheists who publicly call them ugly, fat, sluts, whores, cunts, and worse. We can't be inclusive of atheists of color and also be inclusive of atheists who think people of color stay in religion because they're just not good at critical thinking or who tell people of color, you're pretty smart for a dot, dot, dot. We can't be inclusive of trans atheists and also be inclusive of atheists who think trans people are mentally ill or fruits of nature. We can't be inclusive of atheists who are mentally ill and also be inclusive of atheists who think mental illness is just a failure of willpower. And I thought that was a very, very powerful statement, extremely powerful statement. And, you know, I would just tell you guys to go out Take a look at that article from Greta Christina, and it's fantastic. And right here, you know, another part where she says, you know, they're telling all of us to stop fighting and just get along. And basically they're telling the people who are, you know, being oppressed and victimized to just kind of shut up and go along with the program, you know, so and we're the ones being screwed over. So it's, it's the whole thing is interesting, and... I would tell you guys to go and read it and, you know, give her some words of encouragement because, you know, we're dealing with a lot on this end, you know, for us to be progressive or claim to be progressive, you know, we still have a long way to go in this community. And, you know, I'll just put it like this, Atheism Plus is looking more and more appealing as time goes on and, you know, seeing a lot of what I've been seeing and you know a little bit more towards this Xavier and Um, Xavier, his is the Reverend Speaks. You can find him out on Blogspot. And those who aren't familiar with anti-intellect, you can find him all over Facebook and Twitter. And wonderful young man. And, you know, go out and take a look, and that's going to prove to be a fantastic show. Um, So we'll talk a little bit about the topic today. We'll go into it now. And 
you know, guys, just keep up with the news. There's been a lot happening, but I, you know, I can't go into the topic without talking about the people in Ohio, you know, um, the three young ladies that were rescued from that house of horror in Ohio. And it's just, you know, um, that was tragic. That whole situation was tragic. We've talked a little bit about, you know, Charles Ramsey and, you know, his role in that particular situation. And we can't forget about him because he left out of his comfort zone. You know, in many communities you're taught to just mind your own business, to not get involved, and to keep moving. And basically he left out of his comfort zone and he went over there because he saw a woman banging on the door, waving her arm, you know, screaming for help, and he went and he did just that. He helped her. And, you know, what I find unfortunate is that his good deeds are being, you know, uh, overshadowed. They're being overshadowed and trivialized by people who would rather mock and ridicule him. He didn't have to do it. He solved three cases in one night possibly other cases as well because they're investigating the possibility of another woman that was, you know, being held captive, possibly. Now, you know, that again, that's a good, and, you know, it's being investigated as we speak. But, you know, we have to give credit when it's due, and then in interviews, subsequent interviews, he stated that he wanted them to give the reward money to the ladies so that they could start their lives, you know, that would be a nice, you know, amount of money to help them, you know, start their lives again and regain, you know, some type of sense of, you know, stability. It's it's just the whole thing is sad. You know, those young ladies, they were held against their will. They were beaten. They were raped repeatedly. And I just wondered, did anyone else know, you know, anyone in his family, how did he keep that type of secret? How did he keep those women locked up and had family members over and no one heard those women upstairs? I know they said he had chains on doors. He had, you know, different doors, um, you know, barricaded so that they couldn't get to different parts of the house. And no one found that strange? You know, so, I mean, again, um, you know, reading some of the reports, allegedly he did the same thing to his ex-wife. And, you know, he used to keep her chained up. I'm not sure. You know, I just read some of the stories there. And I don't know how everybody missed it. I don't know how they missed it with this guy here. And, you know, it sounds like a lot of insecurity on his end and, Again, you know, I would just tell you guys, um, you know, if you see anything like that or you hear of anything like that, you definitely, you know, you need to report it. You definitely, you know, need to report it. And as far as Mr. Ramsey is concerned, we can't forget about him. You know, again, you know, he risked his own life because he didn't know if that, you know, if those people were going to come back, if they they could have killed him, they could have hurt him. You know, from my understanding, you know, members of that family um, are moving away from that area, members of the Castro family. They're moving away from that area. And 
because they're they're in fear because of what their relatives did. I mean, they tried to interview, you know, Mr. Castro's mother, and you could tell that she was, you know, embarrassed. She was, you know, really upset about the situation. And we, you know, she didn't do it, and apparently she didn't know anything about it. And the little girl that was born in captivity there, apparently he was taking her around and giving a couple of different stories. He told a couple of people that it was his girlfriend's daughter. He told a couple of people it was his granddaughter. Just a number of stories that didn't add up. And so, again, we just have to be mindful. You know, you have people out here that are saying that we need to go back to the old ways, go back to tradition, whereas you get to know your neighbors. And 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 I understand that, and that's fine. There's getting to know your neighbors, and then there's being nosy. So, you know, there is there is a difference. You know, you should be vigilant and watchful, but, you know, you don't want to impose either. So it's just important that we understand the difference between those there. But, yeah, you just have to be mindful and keep an eye out. If something doesn't seem right and something seems out of the ordinary, then, yes, you should say something about it. And sitting here looking in the chat room, I guess they're having some audio issues there. Guys, press F5 and that'll refresh page for you. But, you know, there have been a lot of things that have been happening, but there was an article that was posted on my wall um, earlier this week by Bougie Black Girl. And the title of the article was, I am proud to say I am not an ideal black woman. And I'm going to talk about this because it kind of leads us into today's topic. And in this particular article, you know, uh, starts out, it says, the ideal black woman is strong, unbreakable, and tough. She is able to do everything and be everything to everyone but herself. She has the superhuman ability to withstand pain. She can be satisfied with pain and sacrifice on earth because she believes deeply in her reward in heaven. The ideal black woman is a race warrior a sister soldier, a caretaker, a maid, a nanny, a churchgoer, the sole community upholder, the breadwinner, an unpaid organizer, the protector and guardian of the black community. She is objectified, analyzed, brutalized, and criticized, but is required to remain silent and protect her victimizer. She has unquestioning loyalty to those who would not do the same. She is independent, but will hopefully speak to men regardless of her Money-hungry and/or a race traitor 
If she dates outside of her race, she must always qualify her non-black partner by saying, I love black men. She must not expect marriage as an option because it is just a piece of paper for white people. Hmm. <laughs> it, this, it was a great, great, great article, guys. You know, I would tell you to go out and take a look for it. And, um, you know, again, it's by Bucci Black Girl, and the name of the article is, I am proud to say that I am not an ideal black woman. And there are certain stereotypes that black women, you know, have been held to over the years. And going back to the one where it says that she's a strong, unbreakable, and tough black woman, you know, that's something that many women have had to live up to or tried to live up to. And I just want to, it's okay to have your weak moments. It's okay to cry. It's okay to to be able to say, I don't know. You know, um, you know, all of that, that's fine. It's okay. And, you know, what a lot of people don't seem to understand is a lot of these stereotypes, you know, have been passed down from generations, you know, and there are a lot of different stereotypes out there. You know, um, there are different dimensions of victimization, you know, and this includes but not, you know, limited to, you know, patriarchy, you know, family violence, uh, racism, miseducation, uh, economic marginality, you know, all of this. And we have to go back and look and see exactly what's been happening um, in our communities and where these stereotypes come from. And we have to be careful with the media because, you know, the media can manipulate, you know, the audience, you know, and and people start to believe a lot of these stereotypes. You know, one of the stereotypes that I've seen in a lot of different cases is Manny. You know, so, you know, the mammy is the housekeeper or nanny. And this goes all the way back to imitation of life and gone with the wind and, you know, in in many, many more movies. You know, there was a lot of controversy this past, was it last year or the year before when he had the help? And a lot of controversy with that movie, you know, about, you know, black women being domestics. And, you know, I've posted some things online in which it showed um, black women nursing children of white women but were too tired and worn out to nurse and take care of her own family when she got home. You know, and this comes, you know, about from a lot of different stereotypes up there. Um, One stereotype just about blacks in general, you know, this it's for males and females, the magical Negro. I don't know if you all remember when they started saying that about Barack Obama and it caused a bunch of controversy. But, yeah, you know, um, that's been one of the stereotypes. And, you know, this particular term was popularized by Spike Lee. You know, he called it the super-duper magical Negro. So, is 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 interesting. Um, one stereotype that I come up against often, not only you know in my personal life, but just with dealing with people in general. One of the stereotypes is the angry black woman. 
And I guess my question is, where did that come from? And why must we be angry? And that's something that I never understood. Um, And something that we definitely, you know, need to talk about. You know, just because a woman disagrees with something that a man may say or has an opinion that may be different than, you know, that man or in some cases even another woman, that does not make her an angry black woman. Um, You know, we have to get much better at that. We have to learn how to, you know, articulate ourselves, you know, in a way that we we understand one another, you know, just because someone is speaking out against, you know, an issue. That does not make them angry. And there's a difference between being angry and being passionate, you know, and it's a pervasive stereotype in this country. Um, there's a book, you know, um, Melissa Harris-Perry has a book um, out called Sister Citizen. And, you guys, you definitely, you know, you want to take a look at that and, It talks about, you know, shame and stereotypes in black women, and I truly believe that you all will learn quite a bit um, in that particular um, book. Um, We've been reading it, and that's one of the books that's on the book list for later on this summer. And there are quite a few movies out there that play into that stereotype. In addition to that, you know, reality TV. Now, for those that know me, you all know that I definitely have an issue with reality TV and the stereotypes um, that are, you know, being portrayed. And Father Teresa said, you know, I think the angry black woman comes from that woman being ignored until she's angry. You're correct. You know, in some of some women, you know, if if you continue to, you know, ignore, you know, women, yeah, you know, it will evoke some type of emotion. And, you know, yeah, we're going to get to Sapphire. You know, I have that listed here as well. You know, the Sapphire um, stereotype, um, Manny stereotype, the Jezebel stereotype. There are so many out there. And it's, it's, we have to address these issues. And, you know, one article here is talking about from Manny to Sapphire, the reincarnation of historical um, stereotypes. And for those who are not familiar with Sapphire, you know, the Sapphire stereotype, um, how can I put it? You know, many of you probably have heard, but... They was way too much mouth on her. And, you know, so basically, if she's a hard, strong, emasculating, overbearing, and controlling type of woman, that is traditional to the sapphire stereotype. And the stereotype created to threaten the gaze upon any black woman who dared to critique, you know, the horrible conditions that black women faced. And this was there was sapphires, and that's
idea is that this stereotype has become the most and of the women. You know, again, go back to reality TV and it perpetuates, you know, this stereotype and is is horrible. It's horrible. And you know, we definitely we need to address that. And today's stereotypes you know, they differ a little bit, but not by that much. And what happens is, you know, other people's perception of us are being shaped by these stereotypes. Now, you know, I saw a debate on several different, you know, threads on Facebook. And while they're saying that the audio is bad, yeah. Not quite sure what's happening with blog talk here. They're having a hard time. Hearing, um, okay, they're saying it's clean again. So basically, you know, I lost my point here. I saw a bunch of different, you know, threads with different debates and, you know, on Facebook in which the discussion was basically about we need to overcome our need to have different races view us a certain way. So it's about perception and us being able to accept one another and basically um, not allowing our base other races to dictate how we should and should not act. And, you know, the whole thing, like I said, is quite interesting, and this is something that we've had to deal with over, you know, many years in regards to, um, you know, different things that we would say in our community, oh, you better not speak that way or you better not act that way. What will those, you know, white people think? And, you know, it even goes beyond that nowadays, you know, with other races. But, again, uh, I think that's something that we need to start working on embracing ourselves, embracing, you know, not only our individuality, but embracing, you know, some things collectively, not everything. Because if that's the case, if we were to embrace everything collectively, many of us would still be caught up in religion. And so, you know, again, you know, there's a lot of information out there. One other stereotype that I've seen, you know, quite a bit in I've seen a lot of women internalize this, is she's ghetto. So, again, the ghettoization, you know, of an individual, if you will. And, you know, that information is out there as well. And basically, you know, we have to stop internalizing that, not only as black women, but, you know, blacks in general stop internalizing these stereotypes that have been, you know, heaped and hurled upon us because we know that these aren't true. And we also need to encourage, you know, our young folks not to try to play into a lot of these stereotypes. And we also need to start supporting one another because, you know, what I find interesting is when black women in general start confronting race and gender stereotypes, in in many cases we're standing out here you know, 
I won't say alone, but there are only a few of us that are willing to stand up and take the hits while there are quite a few in the background saying, yeah, I agree, but, you know, they're too afraid in one respect or another to, you know, join in on the fight. But, you know, it's getting better. It's getting better. And I just want to make sure that, you know, our children do not have to deal with, um, you know, a lot of these things because, again, it's being passed down generation to generation, and there are things that we can do about it. But, again, you know, with the advent of the Internet and the information that's out here, we're able to pass a lot of information along. People are able to go out and research and find out, you know, how a lot of this isn't true. And, you know, I saw an article and they were talking about Shaka Khan's song, I'm Every Woman, It's All in Me. And I'll be the first one to say I'm not every woman and it's not all in me. And, you know, people... ...patients on others. And unfortunately, with a lot of women, we've had to, you know, kind of carry, you know, a lot of these stereotypes. And, you know, it's unfair. You know, and I'm not saying that black men do not have stereotypes placed on them. They do. But, you know, again, you know, we have to stop victimizing one another. And, yes, we have to start educating people about these stereotypes and tell them why they aren't true and why it's wrong and then give them the information so that they can go out and, you know, educate themselves and educate others and strive, you know, for better. Because if we continue to try to live up to these stereotypes, you know, we're in for, you know, a real bumpy ride. You know, we're already having one, but hey. Um, Another stereotype about black women is the independent black woman. Now, you know, basically, you know, the independent black woman, um, you know, is often portrayed as being, you know, overachieving, financially successful, Um, a woman who emasculates black men, you know, the one that's out there saying, I don't need a man, Um, narcissistic, extremely self-absorbed. And, again, this is not necessarily true. Um, And many independent women are also portrayed as trying to control the men in their lives. And, again, you know, that's not necessarily true either. And I guess, you know, I just want us to go out and to actually go out and read and study and educate one another. When you all get this information, when I post links on my wall and post information and talk about it on the show, I actually really want you to go out and share that with other people. You know, educate them. You know, I want you to research it for yourself to, number one, make sure that it's true. But then after that, you know, go and educate it, you know, educate other folks. Um, Some other, you know, again, I'm still stuck on that angry thing because I had an incident on a thread uh, last week sometime. And the young man was like, oh, are you so angry? Are you angry? Are you mad? And, you know, my response was no. And I asked him if it was, if he was saying that because of the stereotype. And he tried to claim that he thought I was a male, which is interesting because on the profile it clearly says female. But, 
again, you know, in some cases with some men, when you shut down their argument or you don't agree with their argument or you just reject um, their advances, if you will, then you are deemed as angry. You know, any type. You know, many feminists are deemed as angry by some of these men, and no, you know, just because a woman disagrees with you, or if she's not, you know, showing you all of her pearly white teeth and smiling, that does not make her angry. You know, that's one thing that I've seen and I've had happen to me. I'll be walking, and if I'm, you know, really focused on what I'm thinking about, I'll have someone say, "Smile." You know, I'll have a gentleman say, smile. And, you know, what I want, I ask him, why? To make you comfortable? And it's just interesting, but it's very frustrating, you know. And it's hard, especially when you're being overworked, unappreciated, being used in some respects. And this is not everybody, you know, and this is just a few cases. But, you know, it gets disappointing. It can be very disappointing. And, you know, if you all want to do something nice for a woman, you know, pay her a compliment like, oh, you, just, you know, a nice compliment. And don't put up these crazy expectations. Um, another stereotype is we emasculate men. No, that's that's untrue. You know, black women are not in a business for, you know, emasculating Men, um, the whole thing, you know, I've heard that before. I've heard some conversations in which men, especially black men, will say, well, they no longer date women of color or because black women are trying to take their manhood and that when they go to women of other races, you know, those women are more submissive, more understanding, um, give them a little bit more lenience. And, and, again, these are stereotypes for women of other races as well. You know, so it not only affects black women, but it, it affects women of other races as well um, with these stereotypes that are, you know, being passed around. And, again, the social dynamics between, you know, men and women, we actually need to sit down and talk about these things. You know, maybe one day we'll get a relationship expert on the show and we can talk about the social dynamics and go a little bit more in depth. Um, You know, one of the issues that I've seen, and this is something that I've experienced, you know, back when I was dating guys, was that, because I was a little bit more educated and made a little bit more money than a man, they would be intimidated and upset. This wasn't all of them, but, you know, again, I just, I'm I'm not understanding, you know, some of these stereotypes and why we can't sit down and talk about them. But then this plays into the patriarchy. It plays into the patriarchy because, again, living in this society, you know, especially, you know, in our Western society here, with the religious overtones, you know, the man feels and has been taught that he used to be the head of the household. He used to be the breadwinner. He's supposed to make the final decision, and the woman is supposed to submit and allow him 
to make these decisions. Now, I've seen women in situations such as that, and they allow the man to, you know, take the reins and, you know, control the checkbook, control the bills and all of that. But the in some cases, not all men, because we have some wonderful, wonderful men out there, um, but in a couple of cases that I've seen, those men took the money and squandered it. And so then that created another type of situation for the woman. And it's just, you know, again, we have to start the conversation. We have to start the dialogue. And while, you know, some of us, you know, may have some issues with religion, you know, a lot of this conversation is going to have to be had in the religious realm, you know, in these churches. And, you know, that's where some of the fight comes in, you know, regarding the status quo. And because, again, you know, in certain situations, and again, we're talking about a society, you know, men are, some men are used to being in control, they're used to being catered to, and, and and you can say some of the same things for some women because there are some women that will be more than happy to continue to play into the patriarchal, you know, purview or the patriarchal, um, you know, expectations that we have because then, you know, it's just, it's just it's unreal. It's unreal, and a dialogue definitely needs to be had so that we can talk about, you know, what's happening out here. I'll give another stereotype. Um, and this is something, you know, that people aren't taking, you know, there are a lot of extenuating circumstances. But another stereotype for black women is that we are all overweight or out of shape. And that's not exactly true. Um, No. You know, again, there are some women that are overweight or out of shape. Again, there are medical issues that some women have to deal with. And, you know, part of that goes back into, you know, poverty. And, you know, one thing, you know, if you go and you do some research, you'll see that in some cases, it actually is cheaper to eat junk food than it is to buy fruit and vegetables. And, you know, you know, we've talked a little bit about poverty. Maybe we need to have a show talking about poverty. But in addition to that, you have health issues. Um, again, when you're dealing with, you know, the endocrine system, and, you know, you have a bunch of issues like there with autoimmune diseases, and a lot of things that are happening. One of the issues is, especially with the lack of access to health care, there are people walking around with diabetes, walking around with thyroid issues, walking around with other autoimmune issues. I mean, it's, it's a myriad of different illnesses out there. But, you know, again, you can slow your metabolism to zero, but, you know, that does not preclude someone from being able to go and, you know, take a stroll around the block and, you know, get a little exercise in. But unfortunately, in some areas, especially, you know, what we're dealing with here in Chicago, many people are too afraid to walk around outside. And, you know, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because, you know, you should not be a victim of, you know, 
of your environment. You know, we shouldn't have to live that way. We should be able to go out and get some exercise. We should be able to send the kids out to, you know, play jump rope or play ball or whatever it is that those children want to do. But, again, you know, with that particular stereotype, no, not all black women are overweight or out of shape. Um, and, again, who defines? You know, um, you know, we did some research and read some studies about the BMI index, and basically, you know, that information does not take into account, you know, the frame and the makeup of the black woman's body. So it's, you know, again, you know, it's extenuating circumstances in some respects, but, again, you know, we have to get out and we have to overcome a lot of these stereotypes. Our call-in number is 310-982-4273. Again, 310-982-4273. If you want to speak, you have to press 1. And, you know, again, so that's one stereotype. Now, this other stereotype, this goes either way, and, and this is something that I never understood on one hand, you know, you'll have people who will say that black women are sexually inhibited. And then you have another group of people that say that black women are hypersexual. So you have the two stereotypes which are polar opposites of one another. And I've never understood that. So, you know, are black women sexually inhibited or are they hypersexual? And, again, this plays against also, you know, especially the ones that feel that black women are sexually inhibited. And basically they'll say, you know, I've heard this in different circles, that women of other races are, you know, a little bit more sexually open. And, again, you know, doesn't harm black women, but it harms women of other races as well because then, you know, they are expected to live up to, you know, and whole thing, you know, but again, you know, nowadays what I'm seeing as far as the stereotype and the image of black women, you know, I see them, you know, the images that are being portrayed and put out there are, you know, twerking, booty shakers, you know, just some of the most, you know, vile stereotypes that you can find. Um, you know, again, this goes back to talking to one another. This goes back to educating one another. And especially the education part, you know, I believe that with religion, and, you know, I'm not trying to harp a lot on religion, but, you know, quite a few people, you know, need to be educated. You know, they've been taught to repress their sexuality. Sexuality is not a bad thing. Sex is not a bad thing. You know, with you know, as far as my thoughts on sex, you know, I just want people to be safe, be as safe as possible. Because, you know, there are times, there are just some things that you can't take back. But we need to educate um, one another and, yeah, someone in the chat room is talking about, you know, some of these shows like, you know, The Maury Show and Jerry Springer and back when Ricky Lake was on the show. And a lot of people don't realize that when, you know, Oprah started out 
some of her earlier shows fell into that same realm. And again, you know, we have to be careful with that. And, you know, again, the reality shows and all of these different things that are out there, we have to change the narrative for everybody. We have to change the narrative. We have to take control of what's being said and what's being done back here. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, while I do watch some mainstream news and mainstream media, I, you know, dissect it. You know, I try my best to dissect it. And, you know, even with me, I'm learning more and more and educating myself and, we all need to do that. We all need to be skeptical of everything that comes across, you know, our screen. We need to die here. And, yes, yeah, someone in the room, they said low-hanging fruit. Exactly. And it's just, you know, it's, it's unreal. And so in Brooks, he says lots of black folks love it, and they don't see it as problematic. And there are quite a few problems with that. There are quite a few problems with these stereotypes and trying to play into these stereotypes, and we need to be able to get beyond these stereotypes. And there are some people that will hold on to it, and and that's fine. If that's what you want to hold on to, if that's the image you want to portray, then that's fine. But I don't feel that everyone should be penalized and expected to behave in a certain way. It, it hinders so, again, you know, um, you know, I just find it ironic. On one hand, black women are portrayed as being sexually inhibited, but on the other hand, they're being portrayed as being hypersexual. So, you know, I want you to think about that. Think about it. Why do we have these two different stereotypes happening here? Um, now, this is the one that I hear quite a bit um, from different men and even women in regards to black women, saying that black women's standards are too high. What exactly does that mean? Standards are too high. And, you know, it's the whole thing, like I said, is, you know, quite interesting, you know, how all that works out. I don't believe there's any really such thing as having standards that are too high. We have Mario on the line with us here. And, you know, there is no such thing as having standards too high. Um, (laughs) You know, just because you may not be compatible with another individual, that does not mean that the other person's standards are too high. It's just that, you know, she has, she's looking for something different. And, also, you know, why would you want to put yourself in a position whereas you're you're having to change yourself to become what someone else wants you to be? And because I believe that sets up resentment and bitterness. So we have to be careful with that type of thing, you know, and part of that goes back into, you know, the stereotype that I was talking about earlier that, you know, a woman is deemed angry because she may reject a you know, a gentleman or another woman for whatever reason. And it doesn't mean that her standards are too high. It just means that she's looking for something else. And and that's okay. That's okay. Because, I mean, why would you want to be with someone who doesn't want you? So, you know, I just find that interesting. Um, Another stereotype is 
we're all man crazy. Or as you hear some women, when they talk about some of these young girls, she's boy crazy. And no, we have to overcome that as well. We have to overcome that as well because, you know, not all of us are walking versions of waiting to exhale, and not all of us are trying to get our groove back, if you will. And and so we have to get out there, and, again, the media portrays these images. And, you know, again, you know, not all women are running behind men or other women and chasing them and, you know, changing who they are in in an effort to, you know, be with someone else or getting someone to be with them. We have to change this. We have to change it. We have to talk about it. And, you know, it's more to life than, you know, you know, running behind someone and and this is crazy, you know, but, you know, another stereotype that I definitely know that we need to talk about are the stereotypes that black women all have daddy issues. And I hear that, you know, quite a bit, quite often, and that's extremely untrue as well. Um, someone in the chat room talking about their sister belongs to the quote-unquote bad bitch club. Wow. And, you know, Dr. Hutchison released an article in the past week or two and, you know, talking about, you know, bad bitches and things of that nature. So, guys, go out and check it out. But going back to the daddy issues, not all black women have daddy issues. And we have to stop throwing that around. And not all fathers were good fathers. You know, there are some fathers that are present physically, but they're detached and not present emotionally. So, I mean, you know, again, we have to, you know, really introspect and look at ourselves and look inside of ourselves and try to get an understanding as to where this is coming from and how this has been, you know, passed down from generations. You know, um, yes, there are fatherless homes in our community, but that does not mean that, you know, that particular woman is out searching for a daddy or anything like that. There are some men, and I know this for a fact because, you know, I talk to different people all of the time, and basically there are some men out here that will specifically look for women who were not raised with fathers or whose fathers aren't in the home because they don't want to deal with that particular woman's father. So, you know, it plays on both sides. And so we have to get beyond that. We have to, again, start talking about these particular issues because, again, you know, there are plenty, you know, of men that have grown up and that have, you know, lived their lives without their fathers being present. You know, you know, what is this doing to them, you know, in regards to their self-esteem, in regards to their view on masculinity in relationships? And the same thing can be applied to women. So, you know, again, you know, we need to look a lot of these up and get a better understanding as 
to, you know, what's happening. Another stereotype is we don't like to listen to our men. And that's not true either. Um, And while many of us are raised to be strong and strong-minded, if you will, that doesn't mean that we don't listen to men. Um, If a man is responsible, you know, we listen and trust him and seek his advice and, you know, seek his counsel. You know, that's not an issue. You know, one of the areas or problem areas that I've run into personally is, you know, you have to find the right type of male that you can have as a confidant. You know, does he have an ulterior motive? You know, you know, are his motives pure? And, again, you know, it's about getting out here and talking to one another and listening to one another. You know, and men, you know, you have to listen to women as well. And so, you know, it works both ways, and that's why I keep pointing back to, you know, uh, you know, our patriarchal system. You know, there's a lot of data out there um, talking about these particular issues, and I want to encourage you guys to go out there and read it because I believe that our relationships with one another will definitely improve, you know, if we start educating ourselves and talking to one another as opposed to talking at one another, you know, and listening to one another. Now, there's a difference between listening to someone and hearing them. You can hear someone and not be listening to a word that they're saying. There's a difference between the two. So, again, you know, we have to be more conscientious about that. We definitely need to be more conscientious about how we interact with one another, Um, you know, common human decency, dignity, and respect. You know, I think that's thing that most people strive for, that most people want, and that's something that we can definitely give to one another. Um, Another stereotype is black women do not want or have the urge to get married. Now, I'm not sure where that came from, but, you know, a lot of my, you know, especially my heterosexual female friends, you know, quite a few of them want to get married, you know, so LGBTQ um, friends, female friends, you know, definitely um, they want to get married as well. So, you know, I don't know where that stereotype came from. Um, my personal opinion about, you know, marriage is basically you just want to make sure that it's the right person. You want to take time out. And that goes back to what we were saying, listening to one another, building that friendship you know, with one another, but, you know, quite a few women, they definitely want to get married. They want to get married, and a few of them actually want to have children. They want a family. So, you know, no, that that stereotype needs to go away as well. But, you know, one of the issues that I've seen is that some people get married for the wrong reasons, and, you know, it can be a variety of reasons. I know people that have gotten married purely for financial reasons, Um, you know, arranged marriages. And that's been happening quite a bit as well. And that's one of the arguments that I've heard against LGBTQ equality, marriage equality, is that people will start getting married for, you know, the benefits. And my argument against that is, well, 
being a married couple, if you receive certain privileges and benefits, that should be extended to single people because I'll be the first one to say, you know, a single person with no children, you know, they pay the most in taxes and there are less social programs to help them in the event that they run into some type of technicality or problem or issue. So, you know, the benefits of home ownership, the benefit of, you know, estate taxes, um, all of that, all of the, you know, public policies that are out there should be extended to single people. So then you won't have people that are entering marriage for, you know, certain tax write-offs and certain privileges. So, you know, again, it's about being fair. You should not have to be married to receive certain type of benefits, you know, so and entitlements. So, you know, that goes beyond that, and that's not what we're talking about today, but I had to throw that in there. But, you know, as we move on, another stereotype is our hair defines us. Now, I'm not sure if many of you all are aware about hair politics, black women in particular, and hair politics. You know, look that information up. But, you know, while women in general love their hair, um, you know, our hair does not define us. You know, I know some of the stereotypes that is that, you know, especially when I was growing up, things that I've heard and, you know, unfortunately I was a part of this, was that, you know, I didn't go swimming because, you know, I didn't want it to mess up my hair. And that's me. And that's when I was younger. Now, you know, I swim all the time now, so, you know, and I have locks. So, you know, it's a little bit different. But, you know, even if I still had a relaxer in my hair or anything like that, you know, you learn how to get over that. You learn how to overcome that. But, yeah, definitely, um, yeah, no, you know, hair politics, our hair does not find us, you know, as a part of who we are. And, yeah, we all like that fresh look when we're walking right out the salon, you know, the nice body and the bounce and all of that. But, mm, you know, you see a lot of women now shaving their hair, a lot of women going back to natural styles. Um, You know, we've definitely evolved um, as far as hair politics is concerned. We have a long way to go, but we can no longer use hair as the only (laughs) vessel to make us feel attractive or complete. So, again, you know, the hair politics, we have to overcome that and, you know, start talking about that more. Now, here's the biggie. Here's the one that, you know, really makes me think – you know, we really need to talk about this, and it's unfortunate. And this is black women do not get along with other women. Now, this is a major, major stereotype of all women, not just black women, you know, and this basically women just don't get along with one another. That's a stereotype. And that's not true, but, you know, we black women seem to receive you know, the 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 bigger slice of that pie, if you will, when it comes to getting along with other women. Um, we've been stereotyped as being over-aggressive, um, angry, all of that. And that's not necessarily the case because what I find interesting is that when, you know, some women, when we speak 
state certain things or maybe we have um, an opinion that's antithetical to what you may believe or what you may feel, then we're deemed as overly aggressive or, you know, angry, whereas if it was a man, he would be called assertive. And, you know, he would be heralded for not allowing someone to, you know, dictate to him. And, you know, again, uh, you know, we have to work on that. We have to work on that. Um, we, we're we going to have differences of opinion. You know, we're not going to agree on everything, but it's about how you disagree. You know, it's about how you disagree, how to be civil with one another. And, again, you know, it's not just women, you know, you know, there are some men out there, and it goes back to one of the stereotypes that I, you know, spoke about earlier, that, you know, we don't get along with men. So it's like, you know, what is a black woman to do? We don't get along with other women. We don't get along with men. You know, so should we just be on an island by ourselves? And, you know, it's unfortunate because it puts a lot of stress and pressure on us. And But, again, it goes back to opening up the dialogue. It goes back to talking to one another. It goes back to all of that. And we have to learn how to overcome all of these issues. We have to learn how to overcome it and, you know, move beyond, you know, what's out there. Now, one stereotype that was out there for a while and is still out there to a certain degree well, no, I'm going to skip over that one because I just don't want to have that conversation today. But, you know, another argument or another, you know, stereotype is black women like to argue and fight and have a negative attitude. And, you know, again, you know, there are some women that do like to argue and do like to fight and have negative also. You know, and it's not relegated to one particular race. You know, there are just some people out there that enjoy that. You know, but I think it's unfair to stereotype, you know, women in particular, black women, you know, just women across the board, but we're talking about black women today. It's unfair to stereotype us that way. You know, Many of us do not like to argue, but what happens is, is that you know when you're when you've been oppressed and silenced and intimidated into silence, you know for so long that you know with some women when they finally get a chance to express themselves, you know sometimes it may come across to some people as overly aggressive or argumentative and. But that's not the case. You know, they're just trying to express themselves because for so long we've been told to shut up and be silent and to be quiet. And, you know, our opinions and, you know, have been downplayed. And so when they finally get a chance to talk, you know, they they want to bring it out. And sometimes you just get so excited that, you know, they come across one way to, you know, a particular person or a group of people when it's not meant that way, you know, and again, it goes back to sitting down, talking with one another, and, you know, opening up this dialogue. Dialogue is good. 
talking to one another is good. Getting these stereotypes and misconceptions and mischaracterizations, all of this, getting this all on the table is a good thing. And while it may be uncomfortable for some people, it may be uncomfortable initially, you know, it's going to, you know, work itself out for the greater good for all of us. And we definitely, we need to talk about it. It needs to be on the front page. You know, I know one thing that I learned growing up is, well, baby, just sweep it under the rug. That's what I was told. And, you know, that rug, you know, doesn't have like one or two crumbs under it. Now, you know, that rug is covering a couple of mountains. And, you know, how long can we sweep these things under the rug? We need to bring it out. We need to talk about it. Um, And that's one of the issues that I've seen is that, you know, talking about the victimization of black women. And, you know, I talked a little bit about it last week, and I posted a couple of articles in which when, you know, a woman has been victimized, and in this case a black woman, a lot of these women are afraid to report it because in many cases we've been trained to protect our victimizer. And, you know, again, that's why these conversations, you know, have to come out. This is why we have to talk about this. And someone in the room was saying, you know, a hood mentality. You know, and it goes back to that no snitch. And, you know, we we have to talk about it. We have to bring it out. We need to be having these discussions as uncomfortable as they may be. They're important discussions, and we need to, you know, talk and move on. Other women are gold diggers, and that is untrue. That is untrue. You know, I'll just put it like this. There are quite a few women of every culture that enjoy, you know, being lavish, that enjoy, you know, uh, if, if possible, an opulent lifestyle. You know, this is not everybody. That's not what everybody is looking for. And, I mean, it's not only the women, men, too. You know, I just saw someone, you know, with a status update talking about, you know, a lavish lifestyle that, you know, they're looking to have. And this is from a man, you know. So, I mean, there are quite a few people out there that want to experience and enjoy the finer things in life. And, you know, but that's not typical of everyone. And what I find interesting is if you go back some years here, um, a lot of this started, with, and this is just, again, you know, how I see it, you know, my opinion here. And I know Mario hates when people say that, but, you know, this definitely is my opinion. This came, a lot of this started, you know, with Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. I'm not sure if you guys remember that show or not, but when that show started, you know, televising and started seeing how some of these other folks were living, you know, they wanted that same type of luxury. They wanted that same type of affluence, you know, opulence, you know. And, you know, it's gotten progressively worse. And it didn't help with these prosperity churches, you know. And you'll have a pastor, and he'll say, well, I have mine. And then, you know, you have to pray to God or money so that have yours. You can have the same thing I have. And that's not true because the pastor got rich because of your donations, your tithes and offerings. And so 
again, you know, especially with these prosperity churches, it just kind of spiraled out of control. And, I mean, I want you guys to think about it. You know, the only people that really get was the pastor. So, our needs um, and again, people have different wants, different needs, different expectations. Um, you know, women have to be cautious. Another reason why, you know, black women aren't, you know, gold diggers according to this article here because, you know, again, it goes back to another stereotype that I spoke about earlier about how some men and some black men have hard time, have a hard time with women that have goals and motivation, and you know some women that you know make more money than them and are more independent and maybe more educated than them. So you know you kind of caught between a rock and a hard place, you know. And a third reason why you know a woman you know your know, black woman is going to grow bigger is that <laughs> according to this article. White women are gold diggers too. Now, you know, again, you know, it goes back to what the gold digger is. Uh, and also, it goes back to certain opportunities. It's men afforded to women. You know, and then you can go back into, you know, sports. And, you know, there's this one young lady that's, you know, college basketball player. And, you know, I haven't really read up on it, so it's a little sketchy here. But I believe that the NBA was looking to possibly, you know, bring her into the NBA, possibly recruit her. And, you know, she does if she breaks that barrier. You know, yeah, Brittany Griner, exactly. Thank you so much. And I, that would be absolutely fantastic. So, you know, again, you know, you have these men making obscene amounts of money. And, you know, the same opportunities should definitely be there for women if that's the case. Um, another fourth, another reason why, you know, women, black women are gold diggers, this is reason number four, women crave security. And this is all women. All women, you know, to a certain degree, let me stop that, you know, some women crave security because some women, you know, they have created, an environment in which, you know, they're definitely secure and they were able to procure that security without, you know, another person. So
that I've seen, you know, coming across is we like men. And they have feelings and emotions as well. Wow. So, again, we need to work on these things. And it seems that we're having some audio issues here. And, um, yeah, we're having some audio issues. I'm not quite sure what's happening. But, okay, now I'm being told it's better. But, you know, again, going back to, you know, these stereotypes, you know, we definitely need to address it, um, you know, and find out. I want you guys to do the research and see where these stereotypes are coming from. And, you know, who is it benefiting? Who is it hurting? Because it hurts all of us, you know, not just women and men of color, but, you know, men and women across the board. Because, you know, again, like I gave some examples as to how women, you know, that are not of color, how they are basically being expected to behave and act in a certain way due to some of the stereotypes as well. So, you know, it crosses, you know, the equation. So, again, you know, we definitely, you know, need to look at this. We need to work on this. We need to address it and talk to one another. And, you know, again, you know, you know, the victimization of black women in a lot of different regards, you know, we definitely need to address it. We need to research it. I've posted article after article after article. I said I'm going to stop posting for a while um, a lot of these articles because, you know, I'm just hoping that people are reading them and understanding, you know, the articles are there for you to read and to research. And, you know, there's, there's a lot happening. You know, there are a lot of black women that are, unfortunately, um, they're being victimized. You know, a lot more women are going to jail. And, again, we've talked about how, you know, the prison industrial complex, how it's there to profit. And it's definitely there to profit in regards to, you know, the longer jail sentences. We want you to go and look this up. You know, there are some of these um, private prison systems that are on the market. They're on the market. They're on. They're being traded daily. So, you know, black women now are being incarcerated at the same rates, if not higher, than black men. And, you know, um, I'll give you an example of, you know, a young lady being victimized most recently was the young lady who was in school in science class and mixed together a couple of um, chemicals, you know, household chemicals. And while, you know, it produced an explosive reaction, you know, she was arrested. This is a young lady, she's 17 years of age, and she's arrested. When I was in school, we had people blowing the lab up all the time. But this young lady is arrested, and, you know, possibly her future is, you know, being yanked from under her. And, you know, it's, 
it's unfortunate, and I feel that, you know, the black community definitely needs to, you know, protect her to move on and to go to school and go to college because she was an honor roll student. She was a great student, you know, um, personality, and now she has to deal with this particular issue. And that's just one, you know, example. There's a lot of things happening out here. And, you know, again, we just can't let it fall by the wayside. Definitely, we need to start addressing, you know, these particular issues. Um, And especially, you know, black women and young girls, black young black girls from, you know, the lower socioeconomic classes. And we need to protect them. You know, they're being victimized. Um, You know, a lot of young black women are coming up missing and it's not being reported by the media. Um, They're basically, in many cases, they're written off as runaways. You know, and it's unfortunate. It's extremely unfortunate. And, you know, our young women are paying a tremendous price for, you know, some of these stereotypes and the victimization. And, you know, institutionalized, you know, again, racism and sexism in this country. You know, it's a lot that we need to confront. It's a lot that we need to deal with. And, you know, we need to stand up and start saying no, no more. And, again, it's just, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. And so life goes on, life moves on, but it should be the same, you know, for everyone. You know, the repercussions should definitely be the same. And our telephone here is 310-982-4273. Again, 310-982-4273. If you want to speak, press 1. And, again, you know, like I said, the whole thing is interesting on how this, you know, has come about and what's happening. But, again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, you know, in general, what's been happening with the media, you know, a lot of black women, you know, have been targeted, but how do we change the narrative? And I believe one of the ways that we can change the narrative is to start talking to one another. Put this information out there. You know, I've been told, you know, to stop talking about certain subjects. And, you know, I find that to be troubling and disheartening because we need to talk about these subjects. We need to find a way to combat a lot of these stereotypes, combat, you know, some of the institutionalized public policies that we have that, you know, victimizes, you know, people in general. But, again, um, you know, we have to put this information out there. We have to grow. We have to evolve. You know, staying stagnant, if you know someone or something that has been the exact same for the past 10, 20 years, if it never evolves and it never changes, then you should be given that a second and third look because everything should change. Everyone should change. You know, our opinions change. I know some of my opinions have changed from last year to this year, and it's okay. It's okay, you know, and, you know, again, you know, I welcome you all to, 
email me to contact me and we can talk about these things. I've had people um, give me show suggestions, which I appreciate. And, again, like I said, you know, there are going to be quite a few changes um, with the next year and, um, you know, with the show. And, you know, it's going to get bigger, better, and, you know, again, I appreciate everybody that supported me over the years, definitely, you know, that supported me and supported the show. You know, I appreciate it. And it's just, it's, it's you know, I'm looking forward to it. But, you know, again, we've had some issues today with the sound and it's blog talk radio, you know, that's all I can say. And, you know, we were supposed to do a show on sexuality, um, talking about BDSM, and I canceled it one week. And then the next week when I rescheduled it, we started the show and VTR dropped the show. I know... Uh, you know, a couple of other people, they had their shows, they had issues with it as well, and I spoke with the BTR people, and they've been having some intermittent issues. So please bear with us, and definitely, you know, my apologies. But, again, you know, stereotypes, um, broad invectives, um, you know, generalizations, so on and so forth, they hurt a lot of people across the board. You know, so it's not just black women, black men, black people, but, you know, it hurts other men and women of other races as well because, again, you know, I want you all to go and do some research because at one point in time, you know, white women were portrayed as being temptresses or, you know, seductresses and, you know, uh, untrustworthy, and white men used to view white women as such. And as time evolved and history evolved, that changed. And so, you know, they started being seen as virginal and pure and, you know, on equal footing, if you will. And then stereotypes then were directed at women of color. So, again, I want you to go out. I want you to do the history. I want you to find out where a lot of these, you know, stereotypes come from and how they have evolved. Um, you know, I can post some links, but like I said, I'd just rather let you guys go out there and do the research and see it for yourself. You know, I've been posting, you know, a lot of links, you know, over the you know past couple of years. And, you know, I'm not sure if people are actually reading them or not, but just go on and do the research. But, you know, definitely you want to find out, you know, about the, you know, different stereotypes, how they evolved, where they came from, how it affected people of different races, different cultures. Um, in regards to victimization, you know, definitely look up the different dual processes of victimization and criminalization of young black women and what's been going on, especially as of late. You know, it's important that you guys educate yourselves and be aware of what's happening out here because it's not getting any better. It's definitely not getting any better. Um, I would tell you I look up um, a young lady by the name of Regina Arnold, Regina Arnold, and she's written some, you know, fantastic books about social justice and the victimization of black women and women of color. So, you know, definitely give, look her up, 
do some research on it. And, you know, hey, I just say, guys, I appreciate you, and I think we're going to, you know, take it out. And next week's show, we'll definitely be speaking to Dr. Chris Cameron, and we'll be talking about African Americans in free thought history. Um, we'll be talking about, you know, a little bit of Dr. Cameron's history and how he evolved and, you know, a little bit about his background. And I think you all will enjoy it. And, again, you know, we have the itinerary up for the next couple of weeks. Um, Anti-Intellect and Xavier will definitely be on in June, and we'll be talking about black male feminists, um, and it'll be coming from black men. So, you know, they'll be speaking for themselves. You all will get an idea. And, you know, I've given you all a couple of books that I've posted, so I want you guys to go out and, you know, when you get a chance, look over my wall, especially over the past seven months. I've posted quite a few links. And, you know, you should be able to educate yourselves from the information that I've put up there. But definitely go out, do some research. I've given you some names. I've given you some of the stereotypes out there. Definitely I want you all to look at the timeline as to how these stereotypes came about and how it's switched up and how, again, white women used to be viewed as, again, as a temptress, as a seductress, as untrustworthy, and how that changed up. It's important that you understand that and that you read and research that. But a lot of that has to do, again, with patriarchy, um, religious ideals, religious beliefs, and, you know, I just want you to get a better grasp as to where it came from, how it came about, and how it affects us. Uh, we have a call from 202. I was getting ready to wrap it up, but we can bring them into the conversation. 202, may we ask who's calling? Ask uh, Greg, Colin. How you doing? Hey, how are you? I'm fine. Happy Mother's Day if you're a mom. So. Say that again? Happy Mother's Day if you're a mother. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And happy Mother's Day to the women in your family that happen to be mothers. So, you know, I appreciate that. And so, yeah, you know, you know, it's interesting that, you know, I'm having this topic today, and it is Mother's Day. And, you know, that's one thing that, you know, some of the young people can do is, you know, kind of get a better understanding as to, you know, some of the things that women have to deal with, you know, in regards to the stereotypes and, you know, you know, we need to be a help to one another. We definitely oh, I a, Go ahead. I, I, I had a comment about that. Uh, I'm a black male in my mm-hmm. 40s. And I know a lot of sisters feel like they're under attack nowadays from the media and black men. They feel like they're under attack. And I think a lot of sisters are really misreading it, big time. It isn't that black men are attacking you. I think a lot of black men are concerned about where sisters are going as far as uh, the future. And a lot of brothers are speaking out because they actually they love black women. They want to see change in the behavior in a lot of modern sisters, and that's why they're speaking out. And sisters sometimes think it's attack, 
it's not an attack. Well, it's well, actually it's actually is, love. It's well, love, again, it's about it's about yeah. no, and I understand, you know, but it's about yeah. being civil. It's about being civil. In in many cases, it's not necessarily about what you're saying, but how you're saying it. And and well, and again, but again, you know, but that that works on both sides because well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Now, up, black men feel hold on. like they're being attacked. Hold on, what? Sure. Okay, here's here 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 here's a big difference. Men and women communi- communicate in vastly different ways. Women sure. communicate in a more uh, emotional way. Men are more linear. We're more direct with what we say, and I think it offends women because we're direct. We're men. And we, communi- we well, communicate like men, and I think that's well, both I don't, women. I don't necessarily feel that women are more emotional than men. I feel that men are just as emotional as women. You just express it differently. And many men, yes, they are direct, you know, very direct, blunt, and to the point. And what I find interesting is that with some men, not all men, and again, not all women in respect to, you know, your comment, but when you meet a woman that's direct and to the point, it catches, you know, some men off guard. And Such as what? Some of the stereotypes. Pardon? Such as what? You said women catches men off off guard. I mean, there is a there is a difference between being rude, abrasive, and being direct and to the point. And I think, hold on. But, but again, it goes hold, back to something that I said no, earlier. No, 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 no. What I said that, that, earlier that, that, is that a woman can say the same thing that a man says, but he's deemed as being assertive and she's deemed as being aggressive. Go ahead. No, what, what I was trying to say is that I, I'm, I'm a man and I've, I've dated sisters. I'm, I'm married to a sister. What I find, don't don't bite my head off. I think a lot of <laughs> sisters... There's nothing wrong with being direct, but uh, a lot of women are rude. A lot of sisters are just downright rude and hostile and, and antagonistic. That's not true. And, again, you're is? playing into the stereotype. No, it's not. You're playing into the stereotypes that, you know, I spoke about earlier, you know, a couple yeah. of stereotypes. You hit three. And basically, yeah. um, you know, just because a woman, you know, speaks up, and a woman, you know, asserts herself, and a woman is direct and tells you exactly what she wants, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, that does not make her rude. It does not make her angry. It does not, you know, play into any of the stereotypes. And, again, living in this patriarchal society, many men have this ideal as to how women are supposed to act how they're supposed to conduct themselves. And when we turn around and we do not adhere to whatever stereotype that you may have in your mind, now you try to throw the ownership back on us to say that we're the ones with the problem. When that's well, not necessarily the And you know, I, we have Mario okay, and William on, on the line with us. Okay, do you think it's acceptable for a woman to sit down with her legs closed? Is, is, is that a normal Behavior of a female is to sit with her legs closed. Um, it doesn't matter to me if a man or a woman sits with their legs crossed or open. How, however, you choose to express yourself, I'm fine with that. Do you think it's acceptable for a woman to to curse uh, in public? Is, is that what, what is a curse? If she so chooses, if she so chooses to use profanity or an obscenity, 
that's fine. Again, free speech. Freedom of speech. Yeah. Well, do you, uh, no, oh, oh. the reason why I'm going with this is because uh, there are certain societal norms that men and women have. There are certain behaviors that are acceptable that I find in women. And I, certain yeah, behaviors that, 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 hold on, hold on. But those are your, no, 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 it's not, it's those not are mine. your expectations. Yeah. Those are your expectations and your experiences. And and you know what? In, in your well, world, that's fine. Go ahead. So if we're on a ship and it's sinking, would you expect women and children to get off the boat first? Would you? Yes or no? Um, if there's a boat and it's sinking, Women or children getting off the boat for no. As as a matter of fact, I would say those that are disabled should be able to get off the boat first. Whether you're male or children, children and disabled folks, children and disabled folks um, could go first. (laughs) You know, you know, I don't, I don't exactly, you know, maybe, maybe I'm missing something because I I don't get exactly where my man's argument going. But you know, um, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry, bro. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, um yeah, my thing is I was I didn't have a father when I was growing up, right? So I was raised by my grandmother. But I, my grand my grandfather was around, so I kinda got more of a a matriarch matriarchal I didn't say that right, but I'm not gonna worry about it. Uh upbringing. <laughs> and um <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got more I got more influence from women than I did than I did men. But as I grew I up I grew into my own person and to this point, I don't put nothing past anybody. I don't, you know, I look at everybody as being, you have your issue, I have my issue. I'm not right. going to walk around with a, uh, with a with a penis insignia on my shirt, trumpeting everything that men do. I'm not a man. I'm not male champion here. Exactly. And uh, so, if somebody's saying that this is a stereotype, I don't fall into that stereotype. Nine times out of ten, I don't do a lot of things that black black men do or men do. I don't behave the way that I'm told men men act. So I look at everybody as being an individual, and I don't look at women as saying, "Oh well, she's cussing." She represents those twenty women over there. What in the thunder is that? Right, and if, and if a woman chooses to, you know, again cuss or with her legs open as opposed to crossing her legs, that's her prerogative. And Actually, I think it's kind of No, I, you know what? I disagree because the reason why I have nieces, and I grew up, I grew up in a patriarch. I grew up with a father and a mother. I grew up with aunts and uncles and grandparents. And my father and my mother, we treated the boys and girls. We had boys, we had girls, we had mother, my father, we had my, my my mother, and my father t- treated my sisters. He, he expected them to act like. Women and ladies. He expected the boys to act like males. But the idea of what a woman, yeah, the idea of what a woman is supposed to act like came from men, though. So you know, my thing is, you know, you know, I listen to a lot of old radio classics, you know, radio stories from like the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and stuff like that. And there's definitely, you know, a male, a male role and a female role. Nine times out of ten, the man is the more heroic guy who can figure things out. He's the action taker. He's the brute force guy. He's the guy that figures out what the problem is and solves it. The female is either part of the problem, she is the problem, or she doesn't understand the problem. You know what I'm saying? So these ideas have always been around. 
and everything. And I don't play into stereotypes. Like I said, I don't put anything past anybody. But the idea of what a woman is supposed to be like and what she's supposed to do, how she's supposed right. to act, that didn't come from women. That came from men. It came from men. Well, and when a woman and when a woman challenges it, then you know, men. There are some men, you know, that get very agitated and upset that a woman is challenging the status quo. And well, again, like say in, in, in when I hear a female cussing in public, again, when, when I hear girls that, cursing in public, it bugs me. me. I don't like to hear okay. that. I guess he forgot that this was my show. But um, <laughs> you know, again, um, <laughs> um, you know, when a woman you know, basically, you know, challenges, you know, the status, you know, or or the stereotypes or the expectations that have been placed on them by men, and it agitates and it angers and it intimidates, you know, some men and, you know, antagonizes them. And basically, no, 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 no. And like I say, you know, I tried to give him credit, and I say, well, in your experience, and in your world, then, you know, that may hold to be true. And if the women in his particular circle and his, you know, uh, influence, you know, if you will, if they accept that, then so be it. You know, we're not saying that all women should behave a certain way. We're not saying that all women should adhere, should or should not adhere to certain stereotypes. What we're saying is everybody is an individual. And if a woman wants to go out in public and cuss like a sailor, then that's her prerogative, and she can do that. You know, and in certain areas and certain circles, especially in certain cultures, you know, certain things are not accepted, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. Because, you know, I've seen people cussing each other out, and, you know, in their St. John suit with their big old church hat in the parking lot of the church house. You know, cussing each other out, you know, trying to get out the parking lot. You know, hell, trying to get down the damn stairs. But anyway, so the whole thing is is interesting. But, again, you know, as Mario stated so eloquently there, that, you know, a lot of these rules have been created and, you know, attempted to be enforced by men. And so, you know, again, you know, you know, I just found it interesting, you know, he was asking about women and children get off the boat first. I'm like, no, I think it should be the babies and the disabled. And then after well, that, figure out the rest. You know. Knowing me, man, knowing, knowing me, I, I kind of have this kind of, uh, I don't know, big brother, maybe some people call it savior mentality. So anybody I can help before myself is going getting off the damn boat. And if especially... You know, and being raised mostly by women, I'm probably going to lean more towards the women and children thing because, you know, I, I can't help myself. And, you know, if a big, strong, able-bodied dude come running past me to try to hop on the boat, I'm going to tug his ass out if I can, you know. You know. <laughs> right, exactly. And, I mean, to be honest with you, that boat question kind of, I was trying to figure out where he was going with that. But me personally, you're not going to find me on a boat anytime soon. You know, that last big boat ride is enough to discourage anybody. But, you know. Um... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As far as the boats go, I am a dedicated land mammal. I have no business on any boats and any. I don't have gills. I do not have fins. I'm supposed to be on the land with my feet and my lungs and my nose. That's where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> 
Well, and, and, then he, he, and then you notice he also had a problem with us sitting down without their legs crossed. Like, hey, you need to hide your vagina, even though that's the most relevant thing about you and it decides on what all your gender roles are going to be. I want you to hide that thing from me. It's that sort of, I, I, I hate to call it the slippery slope, but we've all seen um, in the recent months where they, you know, all the pundits, they like to show those pictures of the old um, women in the Middle East and like uh, in the 70s when they looked like American hippies. And then that slippery slope happened happened when that old patriarchal thinking pushed them into those burkas. First it's hide your vagina, hide your uh, hide your cleavage. Now hide your pretty face. I barely want to see your eyes. I want you to hide and then I want to be obsessed with your body and what you do with it. And that's where that that's where it's starting. He and, and you got to think this guy is a breeder. So he's uh he's raising up offspring with his mentality. So it's it's not going to be easy to get rid of this old thinking. I see MC Brooks right. making fun of my 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 accentuation. I I, I am townsy. They're vaginers. All right. <laughs> that's too you know, funny. But yeah, but it goes back to objectifying women, and that played into the stereotypes. You know, when I was talking about earlier, I was talking about how in some cases women are objectified. Women, look, we are not little trinkets that you put on the shelf and you dust off and play with whenever you feel like it, but until then we're going to put you on the side and, you know, you just sit there and look pretty. That is not what we're here for. That is not what we do. And this is one of the issues that we're having, you know, as far as this dialogue is concerned, and you're right. You know, we're not going to get, you know, everyone to change their mind or to evolve. And, you know, that's not even what we're trying to do. We're just trying to enlighten a few people, and hopefully they can educate and enlighten other people in like a domino effect that, you know, eventually, you know, we'll become a little bit more tolerant, a little bit more understanding. And it's also it's also embarrassing to see black males that are unaware of their male privilege because that that's what he is. He's unaware of his male privilege, and he forgets that if there was a few decades ago, he would be seen as talking like some sort of uppity Negro, and that some white man would have to come and put him in his place, just like he thinks he should be putting women in their place. Right. Yeah, I, I don't even get that. You know, as a matter of fact, I think a woman that can uh, that has a, uh, a deaf manipulation of a curse word is pretty darn hot. (laughs) See, so there you go. There you go. I just, you know, I find the whole thing interesting, especially when he was addressing us. You know, when the guys wanted to speak, sure, go ahead, speak. But when I wanted to speak, (laughs) hold on, hold on. on. And I thought that was quite interesting. And I'm like, I caught that. Right. And I'm like, you know, this is kind of like my show. Just a little bit, just a little bit, you know. But but it's okay, it's okay. I still love you, baby. You know, and oh, uh, maybe I shouldn't have called him baby. You know, maybe that you know makes him feel uncomfortable in some kind of way. You know, but if so, I apologize. But um, you know, it's, the whole thing is interesting. But hey, you know, speaking of vaginas, it is National Masturbation Month, and is, you know. Yes, it's National Masturbation Month, and this was, you know, you know, clitoris week. So, you know, well, you guys, you all don't have a clitoris, but you know, it is National <laughs> Masturbation Month, and it's also um, National Black Mental Health Care Awareness Month, and it's also National Lupus Awareness Month. So, 
you know, a lot of different things for people to kind of, um, you know, go and do some research on to get a better understanding of because, you know, more than likely one or two of you out there masturbates and you may know somebody. One or two. <laughs> I know nothing else mm-hmm. but she that's my story and I'm sticking with it, right? And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, guys, get out there and uh, enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. Live your life. Enjoy it. You only have one. And, again, what I will say, you know, getting back to the subject matter, um, you know, we've evolved quite a bit. And one thing that I will say is black women um, in general are starting to speak up more. They're starting to speak out more. They're, you know, we're evolving. And black men, too. You know, I can't leave them out. And, you know, again, this dialogue needs to be had. And even, you know, with the young man that called, you know, a few minutes ago, and even though he has a differing opinion, you know, I appreciate it. And, you know, because it helps us get an understanding, gather, you know, and glean some information to understand that there are people out there that hold on to those quote-unquote traditional values. And, you know, this is something that we've kind of come up against, you know, for a while. But it's okay. It's okay, you know, it's going to take a while. But, again, you know, as William said, you know, he doesn't even know that he's speaking on his male privilege, that he's enjoying a certain male privilege, which kind of, you know, I find interesting because when we did the show on black male privilege, you know, I got some, um, some pushback on that, you know, from a few black men. And, you know, this guy here, you know, definitely you know, gave us, you know, a living example of it. You know, there is a certain amount of privilege given to men, including black men. Now, white male privilege is much different than black male privilege, and they are not equal. They do not equate, not even a little bit. But, you know, there are some privileges that black men do receive, and, you know, quite a bit of it is actually perpetuated by black women, especially you know, many religious black women. So, again, you know, we're growing and we're getting, you know, uh, we're getting more educated and we're putting the information out there and we're growing, honey. So, guys, go out there, do the research. Like I say, be skeptical about everything. Be skeptical about being skeptical. Okay, so, you know, um, you know, life goes on. We're moving on. Again, next week, Dr. Chris Cameron will be talking about African Americans and free thought history. And it should be a really good show. And so, guys, come in with your questions. I know, like I said, we're going to talk about Hubert Harrison, Bayard Rustin, Harlem Renaissance, Lorraine Hansberry, you know, just a variety of different people out there, you know, W.E.B. Du Bois. So go out do your research, you know, about these people and come prepared next week. And on that note, I think we're going to rise up and move on. You all enjoy your day. Do something sweet for someone. It doesn't matter if they're a mother or not. Just do something nice for someone else, okay? Take care. It's all behind this door. Lady and gentlemen, the Beer Room. Picture perfection and poetry, impenetrable force fields are over me. 
I smothered our notebooks in cocoa leaves So that we can be considered some dope MCs I'm still floating over these Niggas heads with the anti-gravitational potency Impregnating the flow of speech With the up-tempo thought process and the ultra speed Nitrous in my shit Hits the vibe with fecal acceleration Lacing them on the road with me I dip on I-5 with riders and southsiders Try to diss and we'll show ya heat my raunchy philosophical fontic impersonations are Forget about it and quit, hey The game spitting nigga cane fixing a switch lanes With snake griffin in his plane, shit's finna change Insane in the brain, Mr. 